In a world of relentless cinematic action, where violence is the only language, and only the baddest survive, four friends, a hard-boiled cop. It's gonna be a really crummy day. A fearsome pirate. In every film he's in, he's always busting someone's balls. A vengeful ninja. Self-driving as well, it's like, suck on that, Elon Musk. And a streetwise renegade. I hated this film so much, I haven't actually seen the ending. Will be united by cinematic fate. Their mission, to search for the meanest, sexiest, and coolest ultimate action hero in The Last Action Heroes Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Last Action Heroes podcast, your new favourite movie podcast where we pit all your favourite action heroes of the silver screen against each other, mano a mano, in the ultimate fight to the death to decide just who is the ultimate action hero. Ultimates. Last episode saw Big Trouble in Little China's Jack Burton paying his dues to secure the lead in our Last Action Heroes ranking with a whopping 83 out of 100. All in the reflexes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all, in the reflexes, all in the baby. reflexes. Big numbers for a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so challenging him for first place in today's episode, we're heading 200 years into the future to fight the threat of extinction with our first female action hero on the show. Uh, we actually wanted this episode to be our first fully female-centric episode. However, we found that her story is so intrinsically linked to her male counterpart that it's actually impossible to discuss one without the other. Uh, that and I didn't realise she's not in the film as much as I remembered. So, <laughs> oops. Isn't isn't Jesper our first female action hero? <laughs> I definitely am. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> where'd you go from there? Where'd you go from there? there? I think Jesper should do the intro in his uh, voice. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be talking about Lilu and Corbin Dallas uh, today in the 1997 sci-fi action spectacle, The Fifth Element. So, yeah, just to give you a bit of a rundown on the film, uh, opening in 1920s Egypt, we're given a view of an apocalyptic event occurring once every 5,000 years, the ultimate evil that seeks to destroy all human life in the universe. Or at least definitely Earth, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Everyone else they don't care about, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> quick, quick apology to any other planets listening. We love you. <laughs> any other intergalactic species listening yeah. in. Yeah. 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 Just avoid any future galactic uh, incident here. <laughs> So uh, a race of ancient alien guardians have created a weapon to destroy it, so the hope's not lost. Uh, there are four sacred stones, each imbued with the elemental powers of earth, water, fire, and wind, which must be brought around a mysterious fifth element, a supreme being. Flash forward 200 years and the evil has emerged. The supreme being has been sent to save us. However, not everything goes to plan. Teaming up with the lovelorn Corbin Dallas, a former military vet turned New York City taxi driver, we meet the childlike superweapon Lilu as she seeks to learn the value of human life and whether or not we deserve to be saved. Of course, this all sounds like action movie heaven, but how will our heroes fare in the epic action hero showdown? So, gathered around me today, your supreme host, Dan, on the episode, are my three <laughs> elemental superhero podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> we got Leon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jesper. Nice. Multipass. <laughs> Add Bjorn. Oh. I only speak two languages, English and bad English. <laughs> <laughs> it's always handy to be here multilingual on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and a shout out to our fourth elemental power and fifth last action hero, Hemrick, who makes us all sound great. 
representing uh, love in this I'm podcast. I'm representing love. <laughs> <laughs> he is a supreme being. He's <laughs> a supreme being. Yes, he is. If you like what you hear today, or don't, or think we're talking shit uh, about Lila and Corbin, then you can find us on Twitter at the last uh, TL underscore Action Heroes and on Instagram at the Last Action Heroes Podcast. You can also leave us a review on Spotify now, uh, which they're doing, uh, or wherever you get your podcast fixed. So the fifth element, guys. Shall we get into it? Let's yeah, get yeah. into it. I've so. got a quick question to start us off. Uh, it's only a little one. You said in the intro that they, um, uh, Corbin Dallas is now a New York City taxi driver. Hmm. I didn't realise they were in New York. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yellow cab, yeah. not give it away? Well, it should have, yeah. I, I did watch <laughs> yeah. it a few times though and I wondered where it was. I, I don't know. I, I quite like this whole film. Um, felt really, really multicultural, which I, which I suppose New York City is. Yeah. But I liked that it was just so, you know, mixed culture and mixed species that... Um, I don't know. I just had this vision that the future had maybe become something different. I mean, to be fair, I think the only time they're actually like the only clue there is that they are actually are in New York is that they the airport they're in further on in the movie they're saying it's New York International Airport. Uh, but it's full of British clue. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, there's no kind of discerning landmarks or anything. Maybe the architecture style of some of the buildings, maybe. But then again, it could be anywhere on the, you know, on the East Coast, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. You think you've got style? So we got our two characters, right? We got a like a, a dirty old cab driver who we. <laughs> ass- <laughs> well, I thought in, in regards to Corbin, I think it, I thought it was interesting that <clears throat> the film tries to suggest that he's some kind of like ex-military professional, and he's got all these awards and medals in his apartment, and even the general of the military says, "Oh, I've got my best man on it, or I'll get mm-hmm. my best guy on it," but they never really tell you who he was or what he did, you know, no. where he's come from. And I kind of wanted to know. There's some exposition in there. I mean, they tell, you know, that he's the last surviving member of his entire unit, which, and then he also says he left the job six months ago, mainly because his wife left him because of the job. Yeah, but I also lawyer. got the impression something must have happened to make him also leave if, if he's the last surviving member of his unit. So yeah, yeah. they had to confront Dutch and the Predator crew. everyone was wiped out apart from old die hard he survived because he hid in the vent somewhere yeah exactly why is he (laughs) how can the same shit happen to the same guy 20 years in the future I don't know I know what the TV dinner feels like (laughs) it did make me wonder a little bit sort of what was his backstory yes I know I'm a sucker for backstories and everything but yeah you do wonder kind of what soldier he was like I'm assuming he was sort of special forces or black ops because because they always mm. are. But also, mm. <laughs> um, you know, he definitely seems to favor kind of small arms, you know, like his favorite weapon what is people like this with gun. very tiny arms. <laughs> tiny yeah. arms. Um, so, you know, so he definitely seems to favor like small arms and uh, yeah. he definitely seems pretty good with sort of hand to hand combat. So maybe he was more of an infiltrator yeah, type, infiltration. you know, spy. Yeah, he exactly. also does say that he drives a cab, not a space fighter. So, yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. So maybe Ooh. he was, I don't know. One thing I thought was quite interesting as well, when they're trying to get him to come on board uh, to, you know, save the world, they say, you know, of all your, you know, of everyone for this job, you know, you're the one who's ne- you know expert in all of the weapons and vehicles needed for this mission. And he flicks out that huge laundry list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he can't even, he can barely drive his fucking cab for one. So yeah. <laughs> he's not getting anywhere there. And he's got pretty much all his points on his license yeah. taken away. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, and also he can't defuse bombs as we later find out. So yeah. <laughs> he's pretty useless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yeah. Although uh, he's a 
fucking killer shot. That hostage situation oh, yeah. where like an alien has got a hostage oh. and he just puts him straight between the eyes with one bullet. We're sending out the negotiator. Negotiate <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else want to negotiate? Yeah. I, one of the things there Evans. that actually impresses me more than anything is his ability to speed count like you know he just pokes his head out <laughs> around the corner and goes there's four on the left there's five on the left there's there's five on the right or i mean i didn't even notice that <laughs> yeah, i think no. that's impressive i'd have got shot i'll be like one two three yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, damn i lost count one two three stop moving one two <laughs> yeah. and i suppose we've got um corbin's sidekick yeah, psychic, yeah. I guess. Are they equal? Is it a psychic? Who knows? Uh, the fifth element, some yeah. alien DNA reconstructed to become the the ultimate weapon uh, that just happens to be a hot bird with her boobs out. <laughs> There's a surprising yeah. a lot of skin on display in this movie, which I didn't really realise before yeah. until watching it again. You know, yeah. not just Lilo, but everywhere, really. Like. So- <laughs> Something I wasn't going to mention until later in the podcast, but it seems an out of time. But uh, I first saw this film uh, on, on a school trip. We went away uh, on a school trip for the week to Manchester, weirdly. <laughs> they were like, oh, we'll take the kids out, you know, to the cinema and we'll go watch that new film, The Fifth Element. And we're all like 13 year olds. And obviously, you know, yeah. halfway through the film, Lilu gets her top off and all these 13 year olds are in the cinema like, oh, she's naked. <laughs> and teachers is like, oh, fuck. Best school trip ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really funny because I, because the first time that I watched this was also on a, a school trip. Um, we no, were, no, we were actually going to Manchester. <laughs> no, uh, no, we were actually going a little bit further. We were going to uh, we were Floss going to Holland, Lost uh, <laughs> Paradise, if only. Uh, and we were on a bus, and it was sort of getting quite late. So we put this movie on. It's you know the bus had like a video system, a VHS. So we were watching this really crappy VHS transfer. So everything was blurry. So we didn't <laughs> the really best way to see it, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> and the screens were like this small little fourteen-inch uh, screen. So we didn't really get to notice the you know the skin and the boobage or, um, or anything like that so it was only later that i realized oh there's actually a lot of skin on display here <laughs> I, I was actually wondering how long it was going to take four guys to land on the boob conversation yeah so not long. So it was one of the first things we ended up with <laughs> but have you noticed actually that um people in the future there they don't really seem to be wearing much clothes like they're not wearing layers like mainly just was it t-shirts and yeah. vests and there's this one right hand guy who's uh, you know he's you know he's basically just wearing a big leather coat but that's it yeah. so i mean why but is that global is... warming or um, or what <laughs> just people just got a lot fucking sexier in the future this film is yeah. horny as fuck yeah. much more yeah. than i remember it being <laughs> what i thought was interesting about this film and it kind of adds to its um style a little bit but i noticed that a lot of the characters and a lot of the extras they've clearly hired models you know uh, mm-hmm. Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Gaultier does all the fashion yeah. and then a lot of the people wearing it are models and I think that gives this whole film a slight alien feel where everyone's a bit clunky and wooden mm. and no one's overly good at acting and it's because they're all <laughs> like beautiful models but I kind of think it adds to that like everyone's a bit sexy and everyone's a little bit awkward and mm. it's a bit pre something quite nice about it a bit Zulan, yeah <laughs> why male, male models <laughs> i mean i think there's definitely something that and i definitely noticed it this time around that you know just as uh, what do you call them the extras they hire like you know the scientist and the military men and stuff like that that they're a lot more they have a lot more character than these type of um you know extras would normally have like there's this yeah. um uh, there's one of the scientists uh, he's got like this dark curly hair and like these sort of slightly small looking eyes it gives him a very distinct uh, look and he actually does some really great comedy as well but uh, 
if you know it had this been you know any other type of sci-fi movie i don't think you would have given an extra like that with just a few lines that much type of character the same with the doctor who is heading up the whole revival of uh, of sorry of lilo uh, yeah. a very characteristic face you know yeah. um, so I think on that amazing. as well and it's, it's a style thing um for, for listeners like i shoot a lot of photography I, I think about lenses and stuff and i've noticed that something uh well, I don't know if it's best on the cinematographer here, but something they've done is a lot of... They use a technique that a lot of films don't use. And when they shoot characters, I've noticed they shoot them very close up yeah. with a wide-angle lens. And that makes everyone look a little bit deformed, like their noses mm. are too big mm. and their mouths are too big because the lens is warped. And it makes, like... They, they shoot the beautiful people from far <laughs> away on, like, flattering <laughs> lenses. And then they shoot the sort of characteristic you know the the sort of red ugly people let's say yeah you know, <laughs> very close up ugly way so you get this mad juxtaposition of totally beautiful people mm. and ah. really cartoony looking people Interesting. that's a really it's, good it's a lovely style yeah, yeah, that's a really good observation. Yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> interesting. Well, speak, speaking of style, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, get us back the, on track. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this film is dripping with it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> speaking of style, we got to talk about uh, Lilu's iconic costume, right? The, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The, Which the one of them? There's so many. The, the bright red hair. Um, yeah, we talk about this a lot. And I, I was thinking how iconic it is that if I dressed like that to a party, people would totally get who I was immediately. Yeah. yeah. Although I would spend the whole night worried that my balls were hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be fucking freezing. Yeah. The thing about that bandage outfit, it just seems to defy physics. Like the way that they apply it, you know, they kind of come sort of being wrapped around her and then to how it actually then sort of sits and forms an actual costume. I, I just don't know how they make that happen. But yeah, I just think it's, you know, a brilliant costume. If yeah. Yeah. Slightly revealing. <laughs> I like brilliant costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant really, costume. really like the costume. <laughs> I, poor Lilo as well. I noticed that every costume she wears in this is super tight around the crotch. <laughs> yeah, like, really, really, really tight yeah, around yeah. the crotch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cam- camel toe warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's got the orange stripey rubber thing going yeah. on. <laughs> well, yeah, talking of orange as well, I'm not feeling Corbin Dallas's orange rubber vest look like <laughs> why, why is he always wearing vest he's more try hard than die hard no. oh, yeah. there you go very nice yeah. but like I mean, he, he's like you've got everyone else wearing these really cool outfits and then corbin dallas is like your your jerk mate who always turns up in a vest yeah out, it's like, do you have to keep wearing that vest mate he kind of looks a bit like a 90s boy band reject or something like that <laughs> yeah. you know just uh, and that's and that's probably why he decided you know there was like a a band rehearsal thing at the you know at his army base and they rejected him and they got well sort well sort all this and then he went to drive a cab instead and been yeah. mulling it over like ever since in, in fact probably all the awards he's got is probably you know yeah. um Brit nice awards. trying prizes and stuff like that you know for you yeah. know for trying it out in all these uh you know military um uh, you know music acts and stuff and he's the kind of guy you know that every single passenger he gets in his cab he turns around he's like i used to be in a boy band you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly oh yeah would i have seen you in something maybe it's like the director came to him and said yeah we we want to put you in this film where you know where it's all about you know the the meaning of of love and life is i'm going to channel the backstreet boys (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is that peroxide here it's so 90s oh my god you can definitely feel the 90s in this film you know it's 90s as fuck yeah Yeah. I also think it's funny that like um, Corbin Dallas is a really scruffy man. Like he's grimy. <laughs> he drives a cab so badly that he's about to lose his license. Um, 
soon he's going to have no job. And the dude pretty much lives on fags, yet he is looking for the perfect woman. <laughs> cigarettes for it's American like, viewers. Yeah, cigarettes, yeah. sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got to get, I've got to get over that one. But yeah, for a guy who's such a car crash of a human, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for the perfect human. It's like, a uh, perfect woman. It's like, you are not going to get the perfect no. woman. Yeah, yeah, you, exactly. need you need your to lower your fucking standards. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> thirsty as fuck, seriously, in this movie. Really like, I, I think he's waited for the, for the next girl to come, you know, crashing down his, in his taxi and then, you know, that was it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell like he hasn't he hasn't gotten any for for a while you know like that's that's yeah, the feeling i got <laughs> yeah so he's been yeah. lovelorn isn't he his wife's left him uh literally six months ago and he's just he wants i, I don't know i kind of sound like he, he when he's on the phone to his boss he's initially like i just want her back or i want the perfect mm. woman and it's like which which one do you want like your wife or this new perfect woman mm. he's yeah. a little bit like uh earl from no val from tremors in that respect like you know he's always looking for the right one he's got his like his dashboard full of women that uh, <laughs> you know he'd like to uh you know that you know his perfect woman needs to be a, an amalgamation of all those i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past corbin dallas to have the same thing uh, in his cap so whenever he's yeah, on a totally. break or a uh, break or something he's just looking no yeah ah, that no she's missing that pit and everything like that. <laughs> and of all the fucking luck she literally falls from the sky through the roof of your cab into the back seat yeah she so, could have landed well, in there. any any vehicle any taxi any truck whatever even a garbage truck and would and that would have been the last we'd heard of Leela, right <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great if she'd gone straight through his car and then like straight in the out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but the dude like his cab is he's obviously like pranged it a fair bit as well like when you see it it's like got marks over the side the taxi like sign on the top is basically seller taped on yeah. like he's obviously <laughs> smashed it up a few times it's like how well, yeah, is this guy got a job? license yeah literally the yeah. moment you see him get in his taxi and he goes to pull out he nearly hits someone pulling out of his like space <laughs> garage or whatever it is like it does well, make you wonder what happened like this this super decorated military man who's considered the top guy by the general in the, the now i know it's new york city it's the american army and um He's just ended up like this. Like, just such a <laughs> pathetic fucking down and out human. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is well, a little I mean, bit of a mystery because, I mean, he also, he doesn't seem to hold a grudge as such. He just, you know, seems, I don't know, grumpy about the whole thing. But it, but you don't get the feeling that he left in a dishonorable discharge or something like that. So, or, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he did. Maybe it's the yeah. divorce that did it. I'm sure if he's divorced, he's just given up on everything he's apart really from fresh cigarettes. Off of it. Yeah, and he's in some shitty rundown apartment in like the 500 district or whatever it's called. It's obviously like you know the the less advantaged district, shall we say? So yeah, <laughs> very quick tangent because there's probably not another opportunity to talk about it. But while we're talking about his flat or the apartment, I love when his door buzzer goes and he looks <laughs> through the little spy hole and all he can see is the corridor, <laughs> and it's that. Like that mugger, and he's just got a photo of the corridor Give me the on his gash. forehead. Give me the gash. Yeah. I, just I love, love that, that scene. It cracks me up every yeah. time. <laughs> it's such That's a, it's such a brilliant uh, trick as well, right? It's you know, just, yeah. just stand out there with a big gun with that this hat in front of the the door photo cam. of the corridor on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that Looney Tunes style, you know, where the roadrunner would paint the. Archway on the on the exactly wall. That, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And also, just genius. a junkie himself. Like he's so spun out on whatever drugs they've got in the future that he Tricking, can't even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't hard. Even hit a button like on the gun. You know, he's really trying, and Corbin's yeah. being very patient with him. Isn't you know? it like the the gun was actually loaded, but then Bruce Willis just 
force oh, yeah, him the guy into. Was just thick. Yeah, well, I think we, we kind of get an inkling here into or well, insight into into Bruce Willis's kind of approach to dangerous situations in that sense. Yeah. You know, he's not mm. he's not phased by it. He knows this guy's a bit of a jerk, and he's like, you mm. know, this guy knows weapons as well. So he's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, at all times mate. throughout the film, he's he's a a total cool customer. Yeah, like he's, he does nothing exactly like you said. Nothing phases this guy, mm. and I think that's his, That's the only reason they mentioned the military in the film. It doesn't really need to exist apart from this explains why Corbin Dallas has got yeah. this like fearless. Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. like to think he's a descendant of John McClane. I mean, he's so much I mean, that yeah. character in this anyway. He's even wearing a vest. You know, it's die like hard in space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just I was expecting him to be crawling around the you know shafts. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, oddly enough, the only one that does that is Lilo. Lilo, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then we got Lilu, right? And she's considered the ultimate weapon, right? But she spends most of this film being a drip. Mm. Like yes. her <laughs> fighting is mediocre at best. And during yeah. her very first fight, she gets shot and nearly dies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> what kind of weapon is this? The alien. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's supposed to be love, grenade. right? Is it, isn't that what it's supposed she was to be? Only, like? yeah, yeah, she was only made to defeat evil. Like, you know, the one, yeah. one just the one evil, actually. Just yeah. the evil. <laughs> Well, yeah, Zorg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so we got these two leads. Like one is, you know, he's a good weapons guy. He's a military weapons guy and also a very good driver. And then we've got <laughs> yeah. the, other, the other side of the two and she's like a incredibly intelligent kung fu. They're going to they're <laughs> try and tell you this expert, but I think she's a bit fucking shit, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, yeah. I it's hard to say like... that with a straight face, right? Well, kung yeah. fu... <sighs> Expert. <laughs> Less side. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. I kind of feel that the film, like Lelion, you mentioned earlier, you know, like is she a sidekick? I mean, I kind of feel they're quite equal with what they both bring to the, the film. You know, he, as you say, you know, he's he's the guns and demolitions and vehicle, quotation marks, expert. Mm, yeah. Um, whereas she's, yeah, you know, the more intelligent uh, and kind of hand to hand quotation marks expert again she's a, um, like a femme, femme fatale or something character i guess a little bit. Y- yeah yeah mm. so i think they both bring very unique kind of aspects to everything yeah i think it's interesting that the aliens had made such a good assumption that the dna would need to create a hot young woman because the person who would find this element <laughs> would be well a desperate <laughs> bruce willis yeah. but I, I i quite like to think that um had she not been brought back like imagine at the start they got the dna and they're creating the fifth element and it hadn't actually been like a hot young woman instead it had been like that cockroach guy from men in black oh <laughs> can i have a cup of sugar and then this whole film becomes this weird scenario where corbin dallas has to fall in love with this ugly cockroach that falls through his cab and then at the airport he has to convince them that like oh yeah this is my wife and they're yeah. always looking at this very, very happy huge like six foot cockroach yeah we're very very happy together yeah i just think it would have been a much much more fun film there's a lot have, yeah. that actually could have been quite a fun film is especially because he's the one that's looking for the perfect woman and yeah. uh, here's anything that's nothing you know isn't you know it's definitely not perfect like at all it's an absolute disaster right but, and, and like Lilu does the cockroach inappropriately keeps um just taking its clothes off for no reason <laughs> so, so you're in a room with like the preacher and the cockroach just suddenly starts taking its clothes off i don't know yeah i, I just quite, it would quite, have been Quite fun funny film. that every literally the two times she gets her kit off, it's both times it's in front of the clergy. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cornelius. Cornelius. <laughs> but it's interesting that you say you so. <clears throat> you know, she's how do they know to make the DNA to be this woman? So when they bring her back, I mean, initially, you know, she was on her. Well, 
the Mondashawans were on their way to the planet to, to to deliver the supreme being, and they're shot down and and killed. And the only the only reason we have the fifth, the fifth element is because she is basically re-engineered with a DNA machine, so yeah. it's like, like a cloning mm. form, I guess. And I, I thought it was quite interesting as well, actually. Up until that point, everyone's referring to them as a man. They don't know that she's going to be a woman. Yeah. Mm. So that was mm. quite cool. That kind of the, the way they twisted that. Imagine if it had been a jar of snot. <laughs> the whole film was just based around this guy having to fall in love with a jar of snot <laughs> yeah eventually kissing it to release its ultimate power well <laughs> like, i think there's an air of mystery around lilu as well like you know um at the beginning of the film um, when it's set back in egypt you see them on the shamans turn up and they remove um like a, a sarcophagus from this this room where the evil had mm. previously been fought before and I'm, i can only assume she was inside of that um maybe i don't know if she's been cloned from the previous person or whether she was inside that and she's actually just really fucking old i mean it's an interesting thought there that yes maybe the fifth element started out as a man and whoever is in that sarcophagus is you know is the remains of a man or whatever and Hmm. then when she it the fifth element then arrives in new york for the uh, for the recon for the reconstruction then that's when they for whatever reason ends up being a woman because there's also that little bit when they're in um father cornelius's uh, flat cornelius cornelius and he kind of looks at the goes, oh, oh he's a she Yes, you noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so even to him, it's a surprise. You know? yeah, and yeah. he's been and part of the order. And then she gets her boobs out again. And then he gets her boobs <laughs> out again, yeah. They really make her... Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> just, just to dwell on that, actually, that, that scene, actually, there is a line there as well where um, she's obviously reading all the computer and catching up in history, and, and he says she's catching up on the last 5,000 years she's missed. She's been asleep a long time. So maybe she was within that sarcophagus uh and maybe she actually is just really old so corbin likes the older ladies clearly uh-huh. oh, he, okay. he, he goes for anything you know he's, he's that desperate Imagine he a, a really old lady had fallen through the roof of his cab <laughs> yeah. oh and then the whole film was just him with this frail elderly lady oh it's my wife uh really really <laughs> she's very very rich <laughs> Should we uh, wrap yeah. up style with our, our round of scores before moving on to? I think uh, Dan has frozen. Well, that's why I thought let's wrap it up now, give him an opportunity to sort <laughs> it out. <laughs> He's frozen in time. I've come back and missed all the scores. Ah, there broken. he is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. who would like to go first? Score for style. I'm trying. I'm trying to step in here to support. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <dying> Dan. <laughs> trying to save this sinking ship. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go. I mean, I, I would give them a combined uh, score of three, um, and that's a, that's a score of one for uh, Bruce Willis and, <laughs> and a four for Mila Jovovich um, for a three, yeah. Wait, hold on. You're giving yeah. it a three, one for Bruce Willis and four for Mila Jovovich? <laughs> yeah, or whatever it is, whatever. <laughs> that doesn't you make know, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> I can't count, I can't count. Okay, so it's a three from Bjorn. It's a three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Jesper, what, what's your score, mate? Uh, so um, I am going to give Corbin a three, mainly because he just, like I said, he looks like a 90s boy band uh, reject, you know, the peroxide hair and stuff like that, and that weird vest. Um, so I'm going to give him a three. Lilu, I think, uh, is a much more iconic uh, outfit. You would definitely know who she was if she turned up to, um, uh, you know, to uh, a dress-up party, ball, whatever they call. So I'm going to give her a four, which lands them overall on a 3.5. Nice. Dan, are you with us? I think so. Can you hear me? We, we can, can hear you. Yeah. What was your score, mate? Uh, oh, we're on scores now, are we? 
Yep. Yes. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, give me a sec to catch up with everything. I've lost my notes. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll go next while he's catching up. <laughs> go on then. I think for me, oh, and the style, I'm only going to give him a two. And that's because I think Lilu looks fucking cool, but she's all hype and no action. And I think Corbin is tasty with a weapon, but the guy's mm. got to ditch the vests. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Even in the future, vests are not cool. Not cool. <laughs> not cool. Not cool. Dan, this is your last chance before we make up a score for you. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a three. Three. Come on, That's it. Three. <laughs> That's it. All right. A- any comments? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to see if my internet connection is going to be stable enough to actually allow me to make a comment. <laughs> You're uh, still there. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you guys are saying, really. So I think the, the, the looks are iconic. Uh, and they certainly bring, I think they can certainly hold their own. You know, they, they both bring an individual element to it. Um, but yeah. Element. Ah, so uh, see what I did there? Yeah. Ah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, then in terms of the action, there's, there's not too much going on. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a three. Oh, this is yeah, the style yeah. section, not the action section. Yeah. Yes. I <laughs> With those scores wrapped up, let's move on to charisma. Who needs friends anyway? Okay, so not only is the fifth element dripping with style in some sense, uh, it also brings a wealth of crazy fun characters and an iconic <laughs> sci-fi figure in its world-saving heroine, Lilu. Um, so we're going to have a look at the charisma of our two heroes. Um, charisma, anyone want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't help but feel like Lilu is basically a three-year-old in a hot woman's body. <laughs> and it started, started making this whole film a little bit creepy. Yeah. When you realise that Corbin Dallas is like totally into this virgin on brain damaged human (laughs) that keeps getting its boobs out. Yeah, you're right. There's awkward territory there, for sure. (laughs) So I've started this one on a high. Yeah. (laughs) How do we go from there then? All right, let's jump onto Corbin Dallas. (laughs) What have we got as charisma? I actually, okay, I've got another negative here. Brace yourself. <laughs> you know how I don't like Die Hard? Yes. I don't like this either. Mm. And Bruce Willis plays pretty much the same character. Corbin yeah. Dallas yeah. is pretty much the same as... His um, John McClane, yeah. Dipshit McClane. Yeah. <laughs> Just really boring. All he is, is a sort of scowling attitude. He's never re- like nice to anyone. He's He's got a lack of charisma. Everyone he meets, he's a bit like... Ugh. Don't really care. Mm. He sweats a lot in action scenes. It's the, <laughs> why me? What's it got to do with me, guy? But he's good at rolling around and shooting guns. Yeah. And I think, you know, I didn't get a lot from Corbin Dallas from this at all, if I'm honest. He's a bit of a cookie cutter action hero, you know, military yeah. background, you know, good physique, grumpy, uh, handles gun well, falls in love quite easy. Um, and uh, then he's got this weird... I don't know, issue with his mom. Clearly those two got issues. Yeah, that that cracked me out. up. The, what, what cracked me up about that is like, she sounds like she's the same age as him, you know? Like, <laughs> she doesn't sound like, like she would be that's true, his actually, mom, you know? That's a little bit weird. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why his life is so bad. It's just yeah. this really weird scenario he's in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, generally yeah. he just needs, you know, he feels like he needs some direction. Like he left the military, he's in this crummy apartment, he's driving a cab. He doesn't really seem to know where he's going. Even when he is driving a cab, you know, he nearly gets run over and um, and everything like that. I mean, he's working for a guy called Finger. Uh, yeah. Going out with us. <laughs> Does that mean if he gets fired, he'd be fingered? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> boom. Chalk it up. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. can't really think of many scenarios in this film where you, you could really pick out Corbin Dallas as like, 
you know, like, oh, that was fun or that was great or that was charming or no. th- there's not really, I-, I feel like this is a film where a lot of the charisma comes from the supporting cast, if I'm honest, because you've oh, also definitely. got Lilu. Yeah. And Lilu has kind of got the, like I said, the brain of a three-year-old, you know, she's endearing and she's lovely and she's charming, but really this... Corbin's job is to babysit her. You know who yeah. who, who who would have been a better choice for for Corbin? Arnie. Anyone? Arnie. <laughs> oh, Arnie. Yeah. Oh, Arnie. Arnie. Yeah. Yeah. Because as, I mean... as John Matrix. <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we know yeah. that any film is generally better with Arnie in any way. Though. Yeah, but like yeah. especially this kind of action hero with like one-liners because he yeah, at least he, his one-liners is, are funny, but Bruce Willis's. Yeah. One Why don't speak two languages? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bad English. That would have been funny. That would have been, that, yeah. you know. Also scooping up the, the like, the frail fifth element in, in his huge arm. <laughs> yeah. He would break her though. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, she's dead. Put it down. <laughs> Get to the taxi. Oh, could you imagine him with Ruby Rod? He'd be like, shut up. <laughs> Oh, Ruby Rod. Can we can we just dwell on Ruby Rod for yeah, a minute? We cannot talk I'm... style and charisma without talking about Ruby Rod. Oh, <laughs> it's like I, that is I, a I, force I, of nature. Yeah. My God. The, the funny thing about Ruby Rod, like uh, Chris Tucker in this role as well, is that he's super fucking annoying, loud and squealy and obnoxious and horrible. But he totally carries the second half of this film. Completely. Yeah. Like, it's all on him to just drag us through the second half. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. He they plays, really... a, you know, this whole diva thing so <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. It is yeah. absolutely a joy to see. And you're right. He, you know, he, he balances really precariously about that being super fucking annoying. Um, and he never manages to over, to overstep that mark. It's always really good fun to watch. And even, yeah. you know, I've watched yeah. this movie like several times now. Those scenes with him, they keep was, on cracking me up yeah. completely. Every this was time. before Rush Hour, right? So this was kind of like his break in a way? Yeah, I think so. It's around yeah. this time that yeah. he sort of started yeah. to make a name wrong, for himself. But I, think. I think his break would probably be Friday with Ice yeah. Cube. Nah, okay. But like, yeah, like that character that he's in Rush Hour, the, the iconic. And this film is kind of similar. Talker. Yeah. <laughs> Speed Talker, yeah. I, I also thought, um, it's funny, we're meant to be talking about um, Corbin Dallas and Lilu, but I think it shows that we're mm. immediately onto Ruby Rod, how charismatic they are. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I like Ruby Rod as well. That At first when you meet him, I actually find him quite annoying when he's in control, but it's when they take him out of his comfort zone <laughs> and it all becomes like disaster around him. That's when I really think he comes into his own, this completely <laughs> petrified, I don't know, just completely Panic. loses his shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Coming, 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 my man, coming. That's yeah. like really. Oh, man. I love so it. They endearing. just they totally play that sort of juxtaposition in their personalities off so well. You know, you you can tell he's just annoying the fuck out of Bruce Willis. Like, and, yeah. Even then, I don't think Corbin has the charisma to carry it. He just mm. sort of looks blankly at him and just can't really respond to him. And, and, and he again, feels I, uncomfortable I, around him, doesn't he? I've got a complaint about Bruce Willis and the Die Hard thing again. Is that I just don't think he can interact well with others in this film in this film in particular in fifth element no, i just no. don't get anything from corbin dallas he just cannot play well with others it worked no. in Die Hard because that's all he needed to do was just like crawl around the elevator shafts and like you know he didn't really need to do that much acting but <laughs> in this film he needs to kind of actually carry the film and he doesn't really yeah. manage to do it yeah, yeah. So, something that i find interesting as well i've spoken to you guys quite a bit about um uh Shit, I'm trying to think what it's called. Valerian and the mm. what is it? Yeah. The Valerian the and the cities. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, and th- this is Luke Besson doing a, a huge sort of space opera science fiction thing as well. And I, 
my biggest complaint of that film is I think it's wonderfully creative, but there is absolutely no chemistry between the lead characters at all. It's it's like embarrassingly bad. Mm. And then when I came back and watched this again, I'm like, shit, yeah, he's struggling with it here as well. Mm. I think he can make things cool and beautiful and creative, but he struggles to get a good energy from his leading people. Yeah, I mean, I would yeah. definitely agree with uh, Valerian. I mean, that's almost a notoriously bad connection there is between those two leads there but i actually think corbin and lilu i think that works a lot better yes the whole love thing is a little bit sort of maybe uncomfortable sort of watching it now because but because lilu has this very childlike innocence about like everything and corbin sort of being the more sort of protective around her i actually think that you know that dynamic works better here but again it's you know there's definitely there's definitely room for improvement there um mm. I'm going to go against the grain a bit here. Yeah, I actually really like Lilu uh, uh, in terms of her charisma. I think she's pretty iconic for the film. If you think of the fifth element, she's the first character you think of and she carries the film. Uh, oh, I would agree. Yeah, sense. fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I like her I've... sense of childlike wonder and everything that she kind of brings. Home. I mean, yeah, it is a bit creepy that this guy sort of, you know, predates on her, I guess. <laughs> like he's in love with her within like a day of, you know, spending a day with her. But, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I do feel that, you know, you, you buy into her into her journey quite a bit, you know, and you, you do, you know, she is likable and she is fun. Um, you know, so I think I, it's also I do agree with that, but I just but, wonder how far you can take it. Mm. Basically, if I, I watched it again and I was thinking about this idea of her being a three-year-old and all mm. she actually does is turn up in scenes and describe what she's seeing. Oh, chicken, Cornelius, yeah. you know, shower, <laughs> and you're like a multi-pass. Auto wash, like, yeah, she Auto wash, yeah, exactly. Big bada boom, big bada. And it's like, yeah. she doesn't actually do anything. She just, She's just this sort of vacant being trying to understand what she's looking at. Mm -hmm. it's, mm. it's strange. But I think it's also, um, I mean, she's very much the emotional core of the movie. And, and I yep. think she's very much the one that the audience cares for and sort of, um, yeah. um, you know, sort of wants to see succeed. Um, I mean, had this just been Corbin Dallas, who instead of Lilo as the fifth element would have been given a fifth element as an object, like a fifth stone or something like that. Mm. There wouldn't really have been that emotional core. And it would just have been another mm. cookie cutter action Don't know, movie. Man. Similar charisma. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that she's got a bit of a, a fuck you attitude to authority. I mean, you know, when she's out on that ledge and the police are like, turn around, put your hands down. She's just like, nah. Fuck yeah. She just doesn't yeah. understand, though. Well, she's like any four-year-old where dad is telling her to, no, you can't have any, uh, you know, candy now. She just goes, hmm, just goes off in a yeah, pound. Exactly. exactly the same thing. And, and the more I watched it, the more I couldn't get past this idea that, like, she's presented like a three or four-year-old and she's babysitted like a three or four-year-old, but she keeps getting her tits out and this grown <laughs> man is clearly trying to fuck her. I mean, he's not in it for the late night... Deep no. meaningful conversations, is he? He's no. hoping for a Brucey bonus. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> I, I really started to struggle with it, man. Even now talking about yeah. it, it's like, I don't know, I can't get my head around this. It's creepy, yeah. <laughs> it is I mean, weird, a, yeah. And that yeah. scene where she's unconscious and he just decides he's going to kiss her Kisser, because yeah. that seems like the reasonable way to wake a woman up yeah right? but i think yeah. it's also Weird. good sort of how she you know uh, responds by basically yeah. taking his gun and mm. putting it against his yeah. temple and going not again, without my yeah. permission yeah again yeah. fuck you uh, like yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah no she does have some some backbone and like yeah yeah oh, we yeah. watched yeah. it get created in that machine something i did like though that i thought was a little bit charming is that um mm. throughout this corbin dallas is a very dry militant not very nice guy never really has any emotion for anyone 
But whenever he's with Lilu, particularly at the start before he realizes he has to protect her, he gets quite flustered. Like he's sort of he's met this woman he really likes and he does become quite flustered and can't really control himself so well around her. Yeah. Like like I was saying earlier, you know, had it been a cockroach instead of her and this cockroach is in the back going, Help me and pretending to cry. Brilliant. But it was Lilu and you can see that uh, Corbin kind of falls for that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sucker for innocence. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a softy yeah, after all. Yeah. No, he's just thirsty, you know. That's that's my. <laughs> he's just yeah. thirsty. He's, just, he's he really is, thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Check you out with your 2021 language. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, what's <laughs> thirsty? Am I missing thirsty. something? What's... <laughs> no, like horny, horny. Right. Okay. Thirsty. Yeah. If you're horny, you're horny. If you're thirsty, you get a drink, right? Well, yeah, but <laughs> not, not, not anymore. The cool kids say uh, thirsty now. <laughs> And there Get goes with the lingo, Dan. <laughs> so behind on lingo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we wrap up them? Yeah. Just one last little um, Corbin Dallas line that I did quite like, and I thought it showed him off well as an action hero, is um, he asks right at the very end, how long have we got left before, you know, this evil destroys Earth? And they say one hour and 57 minutes. And he says... I'll call you back in two hours. <laughs> and I like that sort of get the fuck off my case, leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> if actually, I've yeah. done this, I'll call you back. Yeah. Mm. Or he's just, you know, a typical freelancer and has no no sense of time. Yeah. <laughs> How long would it take? Oh, well. you know, about two hours. Yeah, two, <laughs> two hours. hours. And then two days later. Uh, 30, 30 minutes work, but I'll put it down as two hours. Take the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's score it up. Yeah. All right. So for me, uh, I, I probably scored the charisma around a three. And I think a lot of that for me actually is Lilu, as we've, as we've kind of talked about, really. I mean, she makes a huge impression on the film and she's probably the most memorable character in the film, um, really. I really like her childlike sense of wonder and innocence, but I think she's also got a bit of a no-nonsense approach as well. She doesn't you know, like to be told what to do. A bit of a rebellious streak, which I think is quite cool. Um, Corbin, just kind of a bit of a charismatic void, really, isn't he? He's, he's, <laughs> he's future John McClane. Um, he gets a few good lines in there, I think, but ultimately uh, he's a bit cookie cutter. Yeah, sorry. Um, what was the actual score at the start? Oh, three. Three, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm in charge, so I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them a one. Oh, um, wow. One of them is verging on brain damage, <laughs> while the other vacantly scows his way through a two hours running time, and an irritatingly squealing Chris Tucker actually saves the day. <laughs> one. And now that I've done my bit, I don't really give a shit who's next. Over to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go. I go next. Uh, I, I put Bjorn. a two. Yeah, I'll put a two for a Christmas. And uh, it, it, it's it's like yeah, it's like a one for Bruce Willis in this. I, th I think Lilo. She does have some charisma. Like she, you know, uh, she definitely has sex appeal. And uh, that's yeah. not charisma, Bjorn. No. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, you know, like she, yeah, I don't know. Like she's she's easy on the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I gotta go. I, Fundamental so misunderstanding. So like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I give it a two. You'd give her one. <laughs> uh, I think I'm the only one left now. So uh, I'm going to give her just a little bit more. I'm going to go with a 3.5. Corbin, mm. like I said, he's a bit too cookie cutter of an action hero. If it had just been him with a rock as the fifth element, um, it would have been a very you know straightforward action movie without much uh, much interest. Again, Lilo, I, I think carries a lot of the emotional core of this movie. Uh, she has this you know wonderful childlike innocence around her, which is very endearing. There's a lot of these little cute moments. 
moment, like her sort of during a conversation, sort of discovering her hand and, and kind of getting focused on that and getting getting herself like almost cross-eyed. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, 3.5. Nice. Can I make one last comment on Charisma, please? Because I gave Lilu and Dallas a one. But what I do want to say is I actually really like the supporting cast. I think the general and the priest and the baddies and and just there are so many good characters around them. It's Mm. just those two in the middle I found a bit Mm. dead. Bit lacking, yeah. Looks like you got beef. Well, you know, with every good hero or not so good hero as the case may be so far um, there's always a villain or in this case three uh, again yeah. uh, a bit yeah. like Big Trouble in Little China I guess you know it's kind of mm. a bit of a multifaceted approach so I think I guess we could probably start with the the, the big threat the big bad the the evil the ancient evil or the evil Mr. Shadow as he's Mr. Shadow. Mr. Shadow. where there is life it brings death <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of this 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 creature is or this thing I guess is that it's uh, it's supposed to stand in the place where Lily would essentially stand, and if it's do we actually there, see see this guy in the in the film? No, this is this is kind of actually what I was it's about to speak mass. about. Yeah. yeah, how is this thing planning <laughs> yeah. to stand in that little place when it's just a big? No, isn't mile its ball purpose of just to exterminate life? Mm. It is, but it's supposed the to stand there. Is to the, the ultimate evil? They say yeah, if evil stands in the place where Lily is surrounded by the stones, that's when everything becomes you know dead, basically. So he's Maybe supposed Mr. to take shadow is a being within it. Maybe that big ball of like evil gas in space is actually like the the outer shell of whatever craft he, he is <laughs> traveling in maybe he gets pretty close to impact the earth so like, we're gonna take over the world oh, fuck i broke it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really maybe disappointment is the phrase i quite like the idea of like evil <laughs> just evil. A fucking evil. Yeah, it's <laughs> evil. It's just going to exterminate everything. We've discussed this before mm. on a podcast that doesn't exist anymore about <laughs> the nothing from the never ending story. This concept mm. of just nothing being terrifying. And I think there was an opportunity for evil to be that same thing, but it just doesn't really do anything. Really, yeah. all evil is in this is a puppet master that then controls the next two layers <laughs> well of you, you say puppet master he just basically mm. gives everyone shitty phone calls but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like it, i like that it, he's it. even got a pet name when he calls uh zorg he's like it's mish again like we just refer to him as mish like mish. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's uh misha, misha. it's actually a, a girl yeah misha shadow yeah. why <laughs> This just occurred to me, but why is everyone in this movie sweating uh, makeup or like lo- looking like Rudy Giuliani in, in that <laughs> press conference? No, seriously, like that, that, that really bothered me. Like, why? It's supposed to be blood, I think. I think the intention is that this thing is, this force is so evil, so like malevolent that even just yeah. communicating with it just makes you sweat blood. Like, it's, yeah. it's terror. It's pure terror. It doesn't come off across that way though it comes across as just kind of old cg really but mm. i actually found that sort of that whole thing of them you know it's got this thick liquid sort of you know evil liquefy kind of running down their forehead really really efficient kind of really scary but now that you mentioned rudy giuliani I can't, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all i could see yeah exactly i do like that concept that something's so evil that you just stop bleeding from the brain and the head like you yeah just, you can't handle this amount of evil it makes <laughs> yeah. me feel it's not yeah. quite the same but it makes me feel like that kind of power that's in akira where it's just fucking power mm. and human yeah. bodies aren't built to contain this kind of power mm. yeah it's very sinister i think i mean you know 
purely sort of practical, it's you know it's probably a very low key effect. You just have someone. Yeah, with someone a, squeezed a jam donut on his just forehead. Squeezed a jam donut on top of their head. <laughs> but the way it works in the scene, you know, it feels very yeah, it feels very sinister. It makes you it. it kind of shows the power that this Mr. Shadow evil has. Um, but again, I can't stop thinking about Rudy Giuliani now, so it's <laughs> yeah. not so efficient. To, well, should we move on to Zork then? I think yeah, that's yeah, that one for us. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to... Uh, any comments on Zork? I oh, mean, the guy... St- yeah. Again, maybe disappointment. Maybe this is teasing towards what my score will be. Um, <laughs> like, the more you watch it, the more I realise Zork is just like a sort of henchman. All he's, yeah. all he's doing is trading. Like, yeah. yeah, he's an evil corporate guy, but he's taking a phone call from Misha and then he's just phoning up some other people and saying, oh, do this thing for me. He's and then the middle he's going to take that thing and take he's it back the middle to... Man. Yeah, he's the middleman. He's, yeah, he's the middleman. What is it, like free <laughs> but, enterprise? <laughs> but Luke, Luke uh, Besson describes Sorg with three words, dandy, nouveau reach, and Hitler. And that was like his... <laughs> yeah, that kind of works, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> works, exactly. the middle one. Nouveau uh, what? Nouveau, nouveau reach, like so new newly rich. rich, newly rich. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I don't sense. You know, he's so. certainly dandy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand his motives in this. I don't know whether he's been lied to by Mish or not. But like, at what think, point do you not understand that if you help this thing, you're gonna die? Like, it I doesn't matter what wealth it, or power you accrue, money, you're gonna yeah, die. You, yeah, he's yeah. gonna die though. Why? Why? Yeah, but he's he's like he's such a capitalist that he doesn't really care about that. <laughs> Yeah. It's all about making like, money. I got my money. Um, oh, dead. Fuck. Mark Zorgerberg. <laughs> 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 but there was. I really like that scene with Zorg when he uh, when he uh, talks to the priest and and like he um, he's talking about like chokes. yeah chokes that he does that. <laughs> but like he's also talking about that creating chaos and like destruction yeah. creates like uh, life in a way. So he he feels like by by him being like evil, he's actually you know creating life or like he's creating something from that you know like so when they were building the death star and it was creating jobs <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> you know, it fueled the whole economy yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's like he's that kind of guy like scum came and just ruined the whole thing you know just on that choking scene what the fuck is that elephant the thing he's got in his biofacts <laughs> or whatever what, what is that i mean <laughs> for little sucky sucky when he's born <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like something that would have you know being quite fit, fitted in, you know, in big trouble in Little China, you know, this, that yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, maybe it's related to that uh, eyeball watcher thing. It's it's mm. kind of like, it's almost like, you know, Sork, you know, knowing that he's an evil, um, you know, corporate, um, you know, evil. Uh, like he really wanted a cat to stroke while being menacing. So, but yeah, cats are extinct <laughs> and no one knew yeah. what they looked like. So he yeah. had his lab cooked up. The closest <laughs> thing that they thought was a cat. And then they came up with this thing, but Here's all, this is a cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cat. A and they go, snortle right. nosed warbler. <laughs> Sorry. It's a snortle nosed warbler. <laughs> it's a snortle nosed warbler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty sure um, that's what it is. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So what yeah. I like about Zorg, um, <laughs> I like the dandiness. That's what I like about Zorg. The rest of it, I don't really care. I don't think he's overly evil enough. Actually, although he does like blowing people up, he's really fucking good at explosives. He blows up a load of space pirates. Then he yeah. blows up a dude at the airport. And then at the end, he tries blowing up the whole cruise liner. So he is he is handy with the uh, C4. Well, Gary Oldman apparently said that he, he didn't really like this movie. He only did it as a favor to, to Luc Besson. Right. I can uh, see why. Yeah. Yeah. But when he does the trade with the weapons and stuff, or the little flick of his hair, or the you know, <laughs> someone says how good he is at something, he's like, I know, you mm. know, that I do like that sort of, and again, yeah. I just dandiness, the dandy, yeah, dandy yeah. villain. 
like the southern the southern accent (laughs) (laughs) i actually really like sork i think he's a great the great character the voice the outfit you know he's such a car you know he's such a cartoon character and he fits so perfectly into this you know wonderful weird sci-fi world um because he's so unlike any other bad guy you've seen before um and uh yeah i just think he's great and i really enjoy the scenes uh, scenes he's in and i think you know it speaks to gary oldman that even though he doesn't like the role he still creates like something that it's that is so memorable i think so uh yeah so yeah well done on him plus mm. his gun you know the, that whole it's, it's interesting facet gun he has is yeah awesome. <laughs> that gun is it's great the flamethrower my favorite um, yeah. yeah, we can't talk about Zorg and not talk about the ZF-1. It's like the Dremel monster <laughs> tool of assault that's rifles. That's what it's yeah. called, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. whole sales pitch he goes through is is it's just comedy genius, I think. You know, it's just so much amazing stuff is yeah. happening in there. Like for, for listeners, because this isn't a visual platform, like, what's it got? It's got a net for capturing people, a flamethrower, an ISA. It's got a tracking bullet. So if you shoot something once... It would all other bullets will chase it. It's just this multifaceted. It's got poison arrow darts. Machine gun. <laughs> yeah, it's got poison arrow darts. It's got a grenade launcher, and it's got a massive self-destruct button yeah. as well. Uh, my, so. my favorite is actually the net, and the yeah. reason I like the net is because it is so deadly that that just seems almost in, inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could cause so much damage with this thing that oh, so actually, I'll capture this guy in the net. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I'll blow him up and flamethrow him and yeah, freeze exactly. him and everything like that. It's just brilliant. And then what else we got? We got the space pirates. You know, these kind of ah, yes, of course. thick, the... big, green alien traders. Honestly, Mangalores, I think they're called. Mangalores, oh, yeah. They... But, yeah, Mangalores. Mangalores. <laughs> like the bounty hunters from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> um, I like these guys, the hired goons. Honestly, I actually think they're my favourite nemesis in it. And the reason mm. being that I think evil is a great concept but it's underused i think zorg is this cool dandy villain but again it may be underused he doesn't really serve much of a purpose and i think this film would have been fun if it had just been loads and loads of these space aliens like mm-hmm. you know hordes of these things coming in because they're thick they're funny they're comedic they go to war <laughs> then flying spaceships and getting in battles and take corbin dallas out and instead put in sort of standard space hunter with blaster pistol mm. against you know these space aliens i think that would have been a much more fun nemesis mm. they are sort of one of those type of um army a sort of uh, bad guy i mean that they look really fun to kill blow up shoots exactly. and everything like that exactly. you know yeah. and and they like, really do get you know punished uh, a lot it reminded you know? me of uh, uh, the game gears of war uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Similar, yeah. Or like mm. orcs from orcs, fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Like orcs. You know. But I like just... that they they have some redemption as well. You know, like there's a scene where in the you know when he uh, when Zorg uh, gives them the self destruct button thing and he's setting them up to kill themselves, and then uh, he's talking about like I don't like them because they fight for honor. Yeah, and then at yeah. the end, you know, when he detonates the bomb, he says for honor, for the yeah. honor. Yeah, I thought that was cool. <laughs> they get, all, get their revenge. You know? Yeah, they do have their little redemption yeah. loop, their story yeah. arc. They're also great fun because they're so chaotic. Like, you know, yeah. they um, uh, like they fall out with Zork and then they start to fight against him instead of just disappearing out into the background. You know, they actually start to work, you know, work against Zork and it just becomes this pure chaos of all these different factions who are, you know, 
all wanting the fifth mm-hmm. element, but also in war with the you know war with each other, um, and just that chaos. I, th- I think it's just really enjoyable to watch, especially when they try to get on the flight to Floston Paradise and you know. yeah, <laughs> pretending yeah. to be human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find the one that dresses up like the the woman with the shaved head uh, incredibly attractive. Yeah, <laughs> even though I know it's an alien under there, I'm still incredibly attracted yeah, to that. Yeah. that alien. Yeah. Um, you were saying something there as well about how you get all these different sort of species all fighting, all these factions fighting over the same oh, fifth element, and I think that's maybe where this film stumbles with the nemesis that it's bitten off more than it can chew, for mm. want of a better phrase. It set up these three potentially quite impactful nemesis, but it doesn't have the ability to flesh them all out how it could and that's why i think the aliens work because they're very surface value Mm. they're big Mm. they're dumb and they're aggressive and in the the amount of screen time you can give them that works for me i want to see those aliens versus han solo oh yeah Mm. i mean that's the setup just this guy with a blaster who's really good at his job taking on swarms of space pirates yeah Sorry, I've missed loads. Are we on about? Yeah. Are we talking about the Mangalores? <laughs> yeah, I've missed Mangalos. everything yeah. basically. Like, on this. Yeah, Dan's about to give us yeah. his score for the style section. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll have to listen to yeah. the podcast back, Dan. <laughs> yeah. All right, but, but like everyone else, give, yeah. give us your thoughts on Zorg and the the space pirates. <laughs> Bad guys in general. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just jump straight to the space pirates. I think you know we, we spoke about Zorg quite a bit i mean i didn't get the chance to speak about the zf1 um the the uh, assault rifle um but yeah i mean the mangalores i mean i mean how the fuck would you describe these guys i mean they're kind of like, you know a race of weird looking aliens um, to me they kind of look like a dog fucked a boggling then got both <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pretty apt description there yeah <laughs> But I think I think what I what I joined in, you know, I think Leon, you were saying, you know, they're they're kind of they feel more like the immediate threat. They get more of the screen time and they're more of the kind of surface value. Uh, and I agree with that. I think to me, they're kind of the more um, forefront villain. Everyone else is kind of just in the background, but these guys are the ones who are actually presenting a real threat. And I, they're actually really fun. I, I I quite like the Mangalores. Yeah, I did as well. Mm. I, I really enjoyed them. Um, you know, we lost Dan there, and it went a little bit skewy. So, do we have much more to say on this, or should we do the scores for the Nemesis and move on to the next bit? I'll be interested to see the scores because I missed most mm. of that conversation. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Let's go um, for it. Okay, yes, but you can start. Okay, uh, so Nemesis, uh, I agree, Mr. Shadow, the planet there. Yes, it's a big, all-encompassing evil, but it's never really, it did, never really feels like it's sort of plays enough of a role in the movie to actually sort of become the threat. Like the more immediate threat is Zork and the Mangalores. And I have a lot of love for Zork. I just can't bring myself to really despise him. I think he's a great character. Again, I spoke about the voice, the outfit. He's such a cartoon character. And uh, there's just, you know, the scenes with him, I just think is, you know, just, comedy bad guy gold um mm. and the mangalores as well i think they're great as cannon fodder uh, really you know you mm. can uh, slice them up dice them up shoot them up yeah. uh, kick them uh, everything like that and they'll just keep <laughs> on coming um so uh, yeah i think overall for nemesis i would give it a four i think i really mm. like that sales pitch for them <laughs> <laughs> slice them dice them kick they them. just keep coming just, just keep coming, coming. Yeah. Uh, okay uh, bjorn over yeah, to you sure yeah and no, i i would say um for Nemesis, like Mr. Shadow, like he, you, you never actually see him, right? Or he's just there, like this, this threat in the background. And Zorg also, like he never actually meets uh, Corbin 
I think he meets Lilo, but like he's he's not really that active threat for me. You know, like it's, it, you don't really feel like okay, there's a you know like a a, a big bad boss. You know, like a, <laughs> a last boss kind of uh, character <laughs> in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really for me like they don't they serve a purpose for being in the film, obviously, but. But it's not like this kind of are you rooting for the heroes to defeat the bad guys? So for that reason, I, I couldn't go uh, higher than a two for Nemesis. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there isn't mm. a big last boss. Really, the big mm. last boss is a time limit for yeah. them to mm. unlock love as yeah. the element. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Which is which is fine, but you know, it's not. Yeah, that. Yeah, um, I'll go next just because it's your podcast this time, Dan. So then you can wrap up the section. Yeah, cool. So for me, um, I think the concept of evil is cool, but it's really underutilized. Mm. And Zorg is nothing more than a charismatic fool guy, really, for for Mr. Shadow. Um, The space pirates are probably what would have been the most fun enemy in this world for me, but they would have had to be the focus. And for me, I think Mm. you need to either love or hate a good nemesis. But sadly, all of these were a bit middling. So I'm only going to give them a two. Oh. Oh. <laughs> poor Zorgi, poor me. Poor Zorgi. <laughs> I am very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get blown the fuck up now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree, really. So I feel like <clears throat> the the evil is is a cool concept, but it's really underutilized. And when you do see it uh, nowadays, it's backed up by some pretty clunky VFX work. To be honest, they <laughs> haven't aged that well, which I think kind of. I know the, the age of the film can't really help it, but it does undermine it just that little bit more, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, I do like Zorg, though. I do I do kind of feel like he's a bit of a scene stealer. You know, he is played to campy perfection by Gary Oldman, who and I know he said he didn't really enjoy the film or like the film that much, but he he is great. You know, Gary Oldman's always... It's a professional. Great, great yeah. time. Totally, totally. And he's, he's good fun. And he's packing some cool fucking hardware. Um, and then, yeah... the main penis? No, his ZF1. <laughs> Actually nicknamed it, yeah. (laughs) My favourite. The Bangalores, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're kind of the most fun, really. I I think they're really a good time. So, you Mm. know, like we said, you know, they're they're the the surface value uh, enemy. uh, And I, yeah, I just think they're they're just kind of the most fun element, really. The fifth element. What was the number number you put on there? Uh, Three. Sorry, did I not say? Three. No, no. Got that part. All right. (laughs) Show me the action. How do we feel about the action uh, in this film? So, um, I mean, I I guess it doesn't really have as many action scenes Mm. as we're probably used to. Something I kind of didn't really remember. I always kind of felt this film was a bit more action heavy than it actually was. Um, But yeah, yeah, I I felt the same. I only sort of counted mm, two sweet. key action scenes, like the taxi mm. chase and then the attack on Floston, where the yeah, uh, right. Mangalores kind of come out. This, yeah, it's strange. You feel like a lot more happens in this film yeah. than it actually does. Um, but was there yeah, any? There like- is actually another action scene, but I'm going to save it until we spoke about the two main ones. Mm. And it was just a scene I really liked. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. let's just so let's, let's jump into the, the car chase or the the attack on the. Yeah, let's jump into the, the car chase. The car chase. Yeah, I mean that's that's where we start mm. out, isn't it? So let's go for it. It's, it's solid. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that's more visually uh, inventive. Um, I mean, the attack on Flossen, you know, is great, but it's you know, it's bullets and explosions, which you've sort of all seen before. But mm-hmm. a taxi chase like this through these multi-layered, what do yeah. we call it, airways through a, you know, this mm. massive New York here, yeah. like um, a towering city, isn't it? So it's got like depth, yeah, yeah. Levels, lower levels, yeah. Got levels to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and suddenly got these six axes of. 
direction yeah. where anything could just go. It's, it's yeah, cool. exactly. And the and density of the traffic as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you I mean, you actually get a real sense of danger there. Um, mm. And also, again, you know, it's something that's quite unique. You've never really seen that uh, before. I guess you could argue that this scene was copied in Star Wars Attack of the Clones because they have a very similar scene in the beginning of that movie, but we'll leave sleeping dogs lie. But I think this is a great chase scene. And I think the way that, um, you know, sort of the way they use the levels and sort of how they use, Corbin uses that uh, at the end to kind of escape down into the bottom of New York to where the fog is. Apparently this fog is yeah. a bad thing, but they yeah. managed to hide in that and that ends the chase on sort of this tense note of will they be seen will they not mm. be seen so i think that's actually quite a good action scene and um i think that's yeah I one of the one more of the, memorable ones one yeah. of the nice things as well as like you were saying leon about the density of the traffic we know that corbin can't drive so there's instantly yeah. that level of danger there like he's probably gonna hit about a million people but it's also it also seems that it's the kind of uh, event that finally gives corbin some <laughs> some release because he used some to be a release. starfighter pilot. Yeah. <laughs> he used well, gets to be a him some release. Pilot. He loses his, his job. Some... Yeah. <laughs> he spends the whole film trying to get his release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he finally gets to drive his taxi like he would a starfighter, you know, just throwing it into all kinds yeah, of totally. fun yeah. movies. So he's probably yeah. going, oh, finally, you know. <laughs> I, I, I do really like that. <laughs> That's your release. That's how yes, the release is. Ah, oh, finally. And his wife is like, you have to do that. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do really like that scene where they think they're safe for a moment. He's like, you know, I think we're safe for a while, and then they they go past that block, and there's like a wall of fucking yeah, 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 just yeah, open yeah. fire. But um, I wanted to rewind it as well because what I do like about this chase scene is I like it actually starts quite a lot earlier, and I won't go into all to the details. But it actually starts when Lilu breaks out of her chamber, mm. then she walks mm. out onto the sort of the the edge of the building. Then she does this huge dive, goes in his taxi. He nearly gets arrested, but decides to fucking go for it mm. instead. And it, it kind of ramps up and, you know, builds up that the car chase actually becomes like a crescendo to this this sort of energy that they've been piling mm. on you. Yeah. And then it, it really kicks off. He fucking floors it. And immediately he goes past those two coppers, get in there, they sort of drive through McDonald's, McDonald's, yeah. McDonald's everywhere. Yeah. And that explosion of fries is almost like the release. And we're off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's the and release. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> there's the release. Yeah. That's my release. Just McDonald's fries. An explosion everywhere. of fries. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I do yeah. think it really ramps into this so that the, the, the chase isn't just the chase. It's almost the payoff for the escalation that's happened before it and I mm. think that's quite cool one thing I, I read that I thought was interesting like as for a science fiction kind of film uh, most of the action shots are actually taking place in broad daylight like uh, all of them yeah. and that's mm. actually a, it was a con conscious choice by, by the director because he's tired of those like kind of dark spaceship corridors yeah dimly lit you know well you know scenes. I mean this is what kind of one of the things that sets the film apart mm. you know from other films around that era you know as a sci-fi film you know a lot of those films were uh, you know dark looming threats clunky you know space corridors and stuff mm. like that and he's built something that's yeah super proper vibrant and fun yeah so. yeah yeah, you also uh, don't uh, get uh, the sense that the future, we're slightly wearing off, but you also don't get the sense that the future, apart from the evil, is necessarily a bad place. You know, it seems very colorful that, you know, yeah. there's aliens and everything like that, but it doesn't seem like... More like kind of, yeah, they're more like uh, 
inclusive with all different yeah. you know it sexualities like and like yeah. races. world yeah. mentality yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't really get get the sense that it's um uh, you know dystopia uh, or something yeah yeah or it's oppressive in any way in the you know police they look really clunky as they come around with their big armors it's like, Ro- like robocop you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um but even then they don't seem like they're part of a oppressive regime or anything uh, like that if anything and i don't know why but i noticed that the cops they sweat a lot like they well. like their faces are constantly covered in Sweat if you're wearing that clunky outfit. Like that. <laughs> but I also yeah, exactly. wonder if it was a joke on like they're always eating fast food and they're always sweating and that kind of, mm. you know, that out of shape lazy cop yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. they all look quite uh, out of shape, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of them are fit. Yeah. Like when she walks out onto the ledge and he's like, oh, fuck it. Like, you know, we're going to need a, a, a flying score. How it is. Because like, he knows yeah. he's not going to get on that ledge. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's basically just going, oh, here we go again. Yeah. One thing, and again, we're going off a slight tangent here, but. This is two hundred years, two three hundred years in, uh, into the future, and McDonald's still, yeah, and McDonald's still exists. That's quite mm. impressive. But it just yeah, makes McDonald's you wonder what happened away, to <laughs> what happened to Burger King or what's it called <laughs> Wendy's or any of the others. Like big chains. I think I think they might have sponsored this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they that. are the only main corporation you still see. So I think. Disney yeah. bought all the others, Jesper. Disney so, just ended up buying everything. Yeah, probably. Basically, in the future, you've got Disney and McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe there was a big burger war in 2675 where they all like duped yeah, it exactly out and that. McDonald's appeared as the, uh, you know. We don't talk about the burger wars, Jesper. It was the human yeah. racist lights out moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, people, yeah. like, you had warring factions throwing burgers at each yeah. other. <laughs> Explosions of fries. Take yeah. cover! Like <laughs> landmines. Don't, don't tread on the burgers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, where'd you go for that? Burger Wars. The other big action scene is the attack on the, the opera house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think you said it a minute ago, yes, but it's, it's more your traditional action film assault yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, mm. And I actually think that's where, you know, for the sake of the podcast, Corbin Dallas, but I'm going to say I think that's actually where Bruce Willis shines. Yeah. yeah, that's where you're like, this is what he can do. Yes, exactly. You know, run around, sweat, tear his shirt, shoot bad guys. It's like, okay, that that's what Bruce Willis does. It's yeah. also a little bit of an odd action scene for a sci-fi movie because it's taking place within an opera house, which, you know, is, they say it's a replica of the original one. I'm presuming it looks like it's the actual, it's the Albert Music Hall that they sort of replicated, which makes the whole thing look much more, what's the word, contemporary. So it doesn't really feel mm. that sci-fi, uh, which again yeah. makes this whole yeah. action scene feel a little bit off maybe because you would have mm. expected it to happen in the big sci-fi vista type location or something like that. The, the, main, yeah. the main hall as well similarly has that very, I guess it would be kind of, you know, older design by the time the film's set. You know, it feels yeah. very classical as does the opera house. And it's, you only kind of still feel you're in a sci-fi film by the old corridor sections or the aliens. But yeah, well, mm. actually that leads me on to what I was going to say. What I felt in this like operatic room is it's very large and like golden and regal. But then in the audience, because it's this sort of paradise cruise liner drifting through space that you've got many races from many different planets and things, I assume loads Mm. of aliens there. And it actually felt like it was Ming's throne room Mm. from Flash Gordon. And I wonder if that was an inspiration because once you, at first it is very operatic, you know, it's like the Royal Albert Hall or something. But once you see all the cultures, I was like, yeah, this, when they all go into chaos and they're scrambling around, it's like that, uh, I don't know what you call it, like the sports scene in Flash yeah. Gordon where he's got the ball. And, hmm. and I was like, yeah, that is very similar to that. 
There's definitely, yeah, you're right. There's definitely some similarities there. Like, you know, like not sort of full on, but you could definitely see there seems to be definitely some love between, uh, you know, the two movies there. That's actually like quite an, good energy. Spot. an energy. An energy. Like yeah, they exactly. Yeah. To capture that energy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And again, the colorfulness of, uh, you know, of it all and the, the, you know, the characters themselves. There's some really great oddball characters in there too. Yeah. yeah. I, I was about to say that. I quite like the guy that when we first introduced this opera room, um, Ruby Rod has explained that that guy, he's got all the women, but he's completely tone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> and then halfway through the gunfight and all the explosions, <laughs> Corbin Dallas is trying to get him to throw him the gun. But the guy is completely fucking deaf and throws in mm. the two snooker balls instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this, this nice yeah. little joke that they'd set up earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and again, Rod absolutely yeah. losing his shit throughout the gunfight. I think when I went when the when we went to school, well, the school took us to see this film at the cinema. The whole scene of uh, Corbin saying, you know, throwing the bomb and saying count to ten, and they duck under the snooker table, and it's just him going. Aah! Yeah. <laughs> for like 10 seconds solid got the biggest laughs out of anyone in the cinema yeah. I think <laughs> brilliant rightfully yeah. so and I, I love when everything's just dying down or the sun's dying down you can just hear him trying to catch his breath like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like after this as well that this whole time he's actually been um, like live yeah. his, yeah. his podcast or whatever it is yeah. Yeah. and at the end he's been through that and he's been an absolute disaster he's been screaming he's been yeah exactly that's the greatest yeah. work I've ever done <laughs> yeah I really like that as well yeah like yeah. Yeah. It's like he's covering this whole thing happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think in the Nemesis yeah. section as well, we were talking about these, sorry, what are they called? Not the Mandalorians, the Mangalores. <laughs> the Mangalores, yeah. Um, this is their moment to shine, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they're bringing in gun turrets and they're going crazy and they do a pretty good like assault and raid at the start. Mm, Everyone get yeah. down, get on the floor. Yeah, they, they own it. Yeah. You can def- definitely tell that they've done some raids before. You know, they actually work quite well together as a unit. Yeah, I mean, the Space idea behind readers. them is that they were supposed to be a race or, or like a civilization, like, um, but they were actually basically scattered and disbanded and pretty much killed off by the the Federation, I guess, the mm. Earth government, or, I suppose. So I think they're kind of in it for revenge. Um, mm. that, they're also know. your classic bounty hunter. Mm. Yeah, yeah, paying, totally. They'll do yeah. the job. Yeah, yeah I, I exactly. quite like that. But I think, let's, you know, I think the whole reason this whole thing really kicks off as well is because, you know, they're initially there to get the stones that's their job mm. but then Lilu absolutely humiliates them yeah. uh, and obviously they can't take that so he's like oh there's an ambush and they just decide fuck it that's it and they decide yeah, to this is a revenge moment Zorg has yeah. done them Lilu's done them yeah like, exactly fuck it Let's if it's war they want it's war they'll get yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, totally. I, I really um, like the scene because of the opera as well, like the the it's the soundtrack to it. Yeah, like Diva Lava Laguna. Or, yeah. yeah, I like the soundtrack. I, I like how it, it starts off quite vulnerable and kind of builds up into this very 90s techno yeah. opera. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the intercuts between that and Lilu's fight scene are cool, though I just cringe at some of the cuts to her dancing and stuff. I just think, oh God, like mm. why? Oh, the divas dancing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. also you can see oh, you that she, it. she can <laughs> yeah, barely yeah. move in that actual costume there. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, when the whole thing starts, you know, she's sort of scrambling forward, presumably because she's, I don't know, wearing these huge stilt shoes or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. all the dancing she's doing, it has to be done right there on the spot as well. The apparently know. they were going to give her wings as well. Oh my God. Just to give it that, that extra bit of clunkiness. Someone yeah. was like, let's tone it down a bit. Talking of our main leads in this scene as well, this, this one actually... This is where I got annoyed with Lilu, that she's the ultimate weapon. She gets in this little kung fu mm. fight. Her moves aren't that great. She does a couple of kicks, a couple of cheeky backhanders, and then they take a few shots and she nearly dies. And I was just like, you know, 
I don't know. She's the ultimate weapon, and you watch it, and it's like she's totally not the ultimate. Yeah, weapon. she yeah. does yeah. give her a disservice. She doesn't feel as powerful as she's made out to be. Like at the start, when you know she breaks out of that that uh, the DNA replicator, wherever you know she's smashing through walls. Giving Dude, she and does then, that bit where he stares her in the eye, and you get that like the realistic <laughs> snarl. Yeah. yeah, and none of it's ever explored again. Ever. No. No. And also, um, when they first get on, they're going up to the the cruise liner. Um, Corbin and Lilu get in like a sleep pod yeah. and she says to him, oh, I protect you. Yeah. And again, you get that glimpse of like, oh my God, like mm. she's going to be this badass at some point. Yeah, yeah. And she never is. No, no. Never, it's yeah. a shame. It's a shame. She never gets a chance to shine. She never gets a chance to, I mean, it's like, you know, just hype, hype, hype and then just all just fizzles out really. Yeah. And you're yeah. right, you know, uh, like you said, you know, the movie does her a disservice because it builds her up and she never gets a chance to, you know, for kind of fulfill what's her purpose it actually is mm-hmm. yeah um if unless you guys got something more on that particular scene there is one more scene that i'd like to speak about that i liked as an action scene and uh, just on one the- thing that yeah. i just found out that apparently the uh, in the flost in paradise um attack uh, you know it all sets within that main hall and you have these huge explosions i read somewhere that apparently that's the largest indoor explosions ever on a movie set and when you look at them oh, they're cool. fucking mm. huge you know like mm. yeah, really yeah. destructive so yeah, it didn't mean to awesome. like a couple of those squids went off and it just kind of chain reaction <laughs> yeah. and, oh, but, no. <laughs> oops bruce <laughs> you okay that bruce? 10 second scream <laughs> from ruby rod yeah. <laughs> is it still is it still the the largest one or, or at the time uh, at, uh, at the time at it the was time, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you know Michael yeah. Bay has outdone them significantly <laughs> since but, uh, uh, but yeah <laughs> just thought that was we promised we would never say his name on <laughs> this podcast, podcast. <laughs> the one yes, who shall be named <laughs> exactly just got a black mark <laughs> yeah uh, yes but not on the next episode of the podcast we're jumping yeah. to the other <laughs> <strikes. laughs> so one striker um, out yeah. one striker so another so. scene I wanted to talk about and it's not a traditional action scene but actually it's my favourite of the whole film I really like when they get to the airport. I think lots mm. of entertaining things happen here. <laughs> I like the Multibus. aliens disguised. Yeah, I like I like the Corbin, like the two or three people pretending to be Corbin Dallas. Mm. Yeah. I like the explosion <laughs> that happens. I really like the sort of the reggae cleaners with the flamethrowers yeah. taking all the aliens off. <laughs> and you get heat. Ruby Rod like sleeping with a woman. I just think there's mm. it's not a big explosive action scene, but a lot of cool stuff happens that I yeah. think yeah. tells a lot of story about where they are yeah. and I really really enjoy that scene you know Tricky turns up and he pretends to be Corbin I like the way <laughs> he says it I am Corbin, Corbin Dallas, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah and, and when that you know a launch is uh, about to happen and that reggae music kicks in so Cornelius is yeah. trying to jump on the ship and they got the flamethrowers it's just like yeah. oh this is cool man it's a cool scene but it's not an action scene no it's not but <laughs> there's a bit of a gunfight there's a little good... action that happens yeah. you know there's, there's an explosion as well. it moves the action you know. forward in, in the film yeah, yeah. 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 tricky action. gets tricked you know <laughs> and, and the guy you know it's a little bit total recall I suppose but the the Mandalorian who's wearing the mask and he's it keeps sort of flicking back to being alien and yeah, he can't yeah, control it, it away. he can't yeah. control it yeah and that and his alien partner who I'm attracted to <laughs> yeah so I just wanted to mention that scene because I thought it deserved that's a good scene recognition. yeah it's yeah, yeah for sure scores alright let's round it up <laughs> uh, what order haven't we gone in Dan you can go first okay Cool. Um, Just so, in case you drop out again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give the action a three, so middling again. Um, but um, I think, you know, as we've already said, there's not a lot of action in the film and it takes quite a lot while to get going. But when it does go, the, the scenes are fun and they're handled 
well you know they're pretty much what you'd expect from an action movie and they're just yeah they're great fun um you know i think that they're similar to big trouble in little china in a way where they almost balance that comedy and Mm. uh action and obviously you know ruby rod's you know that that juxtaposition of their their personalities just you know kind of really lifts everything in that end scene you know he's just not where he should be and he's not able to adapt to that situation anyway and it's just fucking hilarious um but yeah you know there's cool weapons going off everywhere there's explosions going off everywhere um as we said i think lidu does get disserviced a bit she does feel underpowered when she takes on that whole group of mandalores i think it could be, have been a bit more dynamic and you know they could have done a lot more there with her um but it's just silly fun it's bombastic mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three. Yeah, fair. Um, I'll go next. I'm also going to give it a three uh, and pretty much similar reasons. I think that the film is more character focused than action. You mm-hmm. can't really say it's an action film, so it's going to struggle. But when the action does get moving, it can be a load of fun. It's loud and explosive. Uh, and in particular, the two scenes we chatted about, the car chase and the opera scene. So, you know, for them, I'll, I'll give it a three. I think when it gets going, it, it proves its its chops. Um, mm. And Jesper, you're next. Yeah, pretty much what you guys said as well. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Uh, it's very loud, um, which is great visual to look at, but it does feel like, you know, a lot of these, especially the attack on Flossen, should have been Lilo's moment to shine. Um, I think where it starts to feel like a lot more is happening is probably because of the tempo of the movie throughout. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of, you know, cuts, and the tempo is generally sort of quite high. So that's probably why we had this feeling that there were more action scenes in there than there actually is. Um, but still, when the action turns up uh it's you know pretty fun and entertaining um but it's it's like a lot of them should should have been lilo's moments and she just doesn't is allowed to shine there so 3.5 for me yeah fair and bjorn over to you mate yeah uh well yeah i mean the action scenes are few and far between and uh uh what there is there isn't a whole lot of iconic scenes in this for me but what does uh what what i did remember from this film having watched it like 10, 20 years ago or something, is the opera scene. And for me, that this is, this is the scene. If the film, I I'm, I'm have a soft spot for sort of uh, opera scenes, having, you know, if you played Final Fantasy VI, for example, there's oh. a good opera scene in there. But, uh, so but that's... about opera <laughs> it's just No, but I just like games. that it happens during an opera. It's something, I don't know, like for yeah, me, that's... that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but, but I can't give it more than a two for action yeah. because it's, it's just yeah. not there. Yeah. Oh, oh, Dan, oh, oh, oh. Back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, All right. So yeah, uh, I guess yeah. you know we've put our flag in the ground pretty much with action. Let's jump over and see what we, talk, we thought about the whole film uh, in general. But I need to know: was it any good? Um, I would like to kick this one off. Yeah. I I tell you what, I genuinely love about this film. I think. Um, Post Star Wars, mm-hmm. science fiction became very serious and very epic. Yeah. And I think the fifth element looks back at things like Star Trek. Mm. Flash and, Gordon. You know, as well. It could yeah. have gone for CGI and it could have been serious, but actually it's got lots of like plasticky characters and rubber head aliens and everything's vibrant and colourful. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're willing to embrace that silliness, yeah. it can be a lot of fun. It's kind of yeah. like the U- European take on science fiction for me, like rather yeah. than compared to the American mm. one. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit more fun, a bit more you know, out there. <laughs> it's lame and tacky and old-fashioned, but I think that's yeah. what gives it its charm. Yeah. yeah, it's charming. Yeah, and all the cast of you know supporting characters. I think everybody you see in the film, as you said earlier, is, is interesting and and fun, you know, and colourful. And I think you know the the film is almost the 
the inverse of what other science fiction films are in the sense that you know people it, it doesn't show us as a civilization where we kind of are all very subdued it shows you know everybody is being very themselves open you know unashamedly mm. just doing what they do and it's it's, yeah. it's it's almost quite transgressive i guess in that sense it's you know everyone is just doing their thing and it celebrates that and, and it's also really cool it's also so 90s it's like you know we did <laughs> yes, Co- so Co- nice, cobra yeah. is probably the most 80s film we've done this is probably only done one 90s film but this is probably going to be the most <laughs> the most it's so 90s that it has luke perry in it uh and yeah. he's, yeah. he's been credited yeah. in the sixth order but he only sa- says a few lines yeah that's how 90s it is <laughs> yeah i think that says a lot yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> one thing i did think about this film i'm gonna ask you guys this question would you classify this film as cyberpunk Hmm. Uh, no, no, because I think cyberpunk yeah. is oppressive, and I don't yeah. think this is oppressive. Yeah. I would, that's I would, just I, my own thought. Well, I, I mean, you know, the whole—I think, I think the whole it's in the cyberpunk, cyberpunk world. So cyberpunk, I mean, it is oppressive, but it, you know, the whole punk aspect of it is about sticking it to the man, basically. Mm. You know, and I do yeah. feel that actually there were a lot of anti-establishment uh, themes within this film. I mean, you—you you know, you've kind of got to fuck the police. She leaves mm. the police. You know, she's not interested in what they've got to say. Fuck the government. She leaves the government. The government are pretty much kind of useless. They're working for the government. They're not though, are they? She's she's well, just Corbyn there to save. Literally, the world. is working for the government. Well, they do have the ticket. Yeah, yeah. Fair that, that's why I wonder if it struggles. But yeah. it's also, I mean, I know, hear what you're saying. Though. It's also fuck religion. You know, she's supposed to go and do this stuff with the priests, and they've been pretty much useless. None of them are prepared to she's actually do the thing they're supposed Dan. to do. She's fucking <laughs> all, yeah. <laughs> you know, the I mean, bad guys are one of those like dodgy remakes. <laughs> 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 You know, yeah. the bad guys are capitalist asshole, you know, so it's... Yeah, true. I, th- I think there is, there's definitely a, a sort of... Elements, on, there's elements there, in yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's a cartoonish Blade Runner, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. One of my notes. Right. You know, he's, he's got the, the sort of the Chinese junk ship. Oh, yeah, it's like yeah, the window yeah. selling yeah. noodles and it's like, okay, this is cartoon Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's quite... That's... No, I say that. It's quite cartoony. It's almost like what... um. The Wachowskis tried to do with Speed Racer, where you mm. create this mm. world that's almost more cartoon than it's real. Even the characters and the way things blow up and shoot, it's I guess what I mean is like not only is it vibrant, but it kind of bends the rules of reality yeah. to become this different thing. Also, one thing I thought, I mean, it's sci-fi, but it's like in a near future sci-fi, and it feels like, you know, they have this technology that is something that we have now. Like they have like the robot cleaners, you know, we have that, you know, they have um, you know, drones and um, like cars. they have these th- these apartments <laughs> that are like you know you know very space optimized, which is also like you know yeah. moving towards that future. Mm. Uh, Still don't have hoverboards though, do they? No hoverboards, no. no. Yeah, <laughs> but they have hover taxis, so yeah. the hoverboards they can't be far away. Yeah, true. But that's like I a classic say, one, like, flying cars. I, <laughs> I feel like with the movie thing though, we are talking a lot about sort of execution and treatment and style Hmm. culture and i think it's quite hard having watched this a few times now to ignore that i do think it's problematic Hmm. Uh, just when you look at the sort of the story and what's happening and this these two leads there is something a little bit dark going on if you look below the the exciting surface Hmm. And, and like i said it's this this idea that this man is basically falling in love with a child on a mental level, just yeah. Got a beautiful yeah. woman yeah. body. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I mean, I think it's kind of explained like that she's an alien that has to kind of like relearn, you know, the human world, and she can't really yeah. speak English and that. But kind isn't of it stuff. taking advantage? Yeah, it a is. little bit. Being that knows no better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But if, if she, she knew did, better, she, she's able to like, jump the fuck out of that cab. If she was able to speak in her language, like she would be able to be more emotive and more like verbal, like, right? Because she can, it's not like she's stupid, but like she has, she, because she doesn't know English. So she has to like relearn it. And then she does learn it, but it is at, the, at a five year old level. Maybe she also level. doesn't know predatory behavior well i mean that scene with the with the gun when he's trying to make a move on her kind of shows that she you know she is Thought he was gonna eat her chin (laughs) 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 so i don't know if i agree that it's predatory i mean i i just think bruce willis is really thirsty and uh uh, that is predatory yeah it is predatory but (laughs) but at the same time i mean she yeah it's, no, it's okay it's, if you don't agree. No. I, I just found it a little bit awkward. It wasn't yeah. until I thought, like, she's like a three-year-old, and then everything was like, okay, now this becomes weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I didn't see her as as a three-year-old. But, no, I didn't. Uh, no. Yeah, but but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, maybe that, that's how the, you know by by that maybe that by design like he wants us to feel like that or something. I don't know. That's yeah, but it, and it's, it's definitely a film about love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, oh, and in the end, they have sex, love. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's yeah, that's also very nineties. Felt like thirst quenched. What was sex? Yeah. Oh, sex thirst is so nineties. Yeah, it is like sex is so. Doesn't 90s. it feel? No one does that anymore? <laughs> no, just but instead. yeah, I mean. <laughs> We're drifting off in all kinds we're of directions. We try and wrap this back we're, up. We're drifting, yeah. I forgot we were podcasting yeah. for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's wrap it uh, up. Then. All right, yeah. go on then. Uh, Leon, do you want to take it away? Uh, yeah, all right, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to give the overall movie a three. Hmm. Um, I love the costumes and props, and I love how it embraces silly science fiction, um, how it's colourful and creative with cool planet, planets and silly characters. Like, the creativity of this film, and like uh, you know me, you know the job I do, I, hmm. I totally absorb that, and I, I've got all the love for it. But I don't really like the film that takes me from A to B, um, and I find the supporting characters need to carry the dullest mm. dishwater leads so i'm going to give it a three i think mm. it almost balances what i love with what i just really don't like about it yeah dallas um, dishwater dishwater leads dallas, dallas, dallas. Dallas. oh we missed uh, yeah. a trick there <laughs> um and yes well let's go to you then Go next. yeah uh, pretty much what you were saying uh i'm gonna end up giving this a 3.5 i've been struggling a little bit with how to rate this one i mean uh as I think as an action movie, I don't think The Fifth Element is a sort of a particularly good action movie because there aren't that many action scenes in it. But I do think it is great sci-fi. I would actually consider this essential viewing for any fan of the sci-fi genre, um, just simply because of how it's so different than anything else Um uh, you know, sci-fi wise, um, you would otherwise have seen. Um, it is definitely a movie I would watch again and again, but it's not a movie I would watch again and again for its action scenes. It's more for just like the overall sort of world uh, of it. So yeah, 3.5 from me. Yeah. First. Nice, nice. Uh, Bjorn, over to you. Yeah. What score you going to give this? Uh, I'm going to give it a three as well. Um, I had like an image of this movie as being a, a, like a fun movie that I watched in, in my in my teenage years. Uh, I don't think it holds up as well. I think it's it's a great movie when you're 13 uh, <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> but um but yeah, like it's, it's the first it's, time you got a boner and you thought that's what love was. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it's but it. I can see 
it, it does have this kind of like iconicness to it and and um you know like it it's it's a movie you remember and and like but it just the memory of it is better than the actual movie if that makes sense i felt like, the same yeah it does make sense yeah i felt exactly yeah. the same so it's so it's a three for me like it's it's a, it's a good movie but but it's it's not uh, i wouldn't probably wouldn't watch it again for another 10 years <laughs> for another 500 years <laughs> um dan over to you what's your score uh, so I'm going to go with a 3.5 as well. Um, it's probably quite similar to everything you guys have, have said, really. So but you wouldn't know because you lost connection. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to assume you all said the same. <laughs> hey, you guys all gave it a five, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a 3.5. Um, it's 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 uh, definitely not as I remember it being. In my head, it was much more kind of action heavy and, you know, had a lot more going. Um, but I think actually the film has some very odd pacing issues. Um and it takes a long time for anything to really get yeah. going. But I do like the absolutely, you know, exuberant, colourful cast of characters, including Lilu. I actually really like her. I think she's cool. Um, uh, and I think that the film, you know, it, it was just doing something different to what most sci-fi films were doing at the time. I think it's it's a must-watch for that reason uh, alone. Um, you know, would I watch it again? Yes, absolutely. Am I likely to watch it again anytime soon? No, I've watched it four times this week for the podcast, and I think that's probably enough <laughs> yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Um, but I can certainly see myself watching it with my kids when they're a little bit older. I mm. think you know for fun time. So mm. I um I watched it again last night before the podcast, and I actually struggled with that. Yeah, feeling. I was like, I don't know if I can take more Fifth Element. The story is it's just so like ridiculous. So like it doesn't really make sense. You know it's what I mean? It's quite like, simplistic as well. It's, it's very mm. simplistic. It's it's like yeah, like I, I see what they're trying to do, but it's like. It would have been a better film if they just focused on like something, something making the story <laughs> something a bit more coherent. Else. <laughs> something else. No, but like you know, like a clear, a clear villain, a clear you know, yeah. storyline would have been better, I guess. But you could have said yeah. all this in your moment to talk about the film, and you chose not to. <laughs> Don't start doing it now. We've already scored it, mate. <laughs> no, it doesn't change my score. It's still You're a breaking still the a three. format. Still a three. <laughs> well, that's what I do. You know, it's innovate, man. <laughs> okay, so all we'll right. take a quick pause. We'll count up our scores, and then we'll be back in just the moment uh we do have a twitter it's uh, tl underscore action heroes uh we also have an instagram it's the last action heroes podcast and uh please give us a review on apple podcast and now also you can give us a review on spotify see how we lured the listeners in we were like oh yeah yeah we'll tell you the score in a minute but not until we've advertised that, you <laughs> sucker. <laughs> well, if you listen this this far, I mean, at least you must have enjoyed it a little bit. And it it really helps us to get a review. It helps our rating, uh, obviously, and our ranking. So if they you listen this, this far, they take know, take, take one minute and, and give us a, a rating it's, and it's a review. It's the like and subscribe thing. Like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this button down here. <laughs> down here. All right, Dan. Cool. So, you, yeah, mate. we're back with some scores. And uh, after tallying everything up, I can announce that the fifth element sits at... Please. I just did. Did I don't hear a drum roll. Not the worst <laughs> drum roll ever. Uh, <laughs> this mic is so good, you didn't hear my drum roll. <laughs> it was really good. It was the best one I've ever done. <laughs> so, that sits at uh, the fifth element at a 54.5. So, higher Oof. than Tremors, but lower than uh, Jack Burton. So, Jack Burton's still coming out on top as, as the king. And we've got a middling score for fifth. It's very middling. It is middling. I'm not surprised though. I'm I'm glad they didn't. No, no offense, but I'm glad they didn't <laughs> score too high. I don't I don't think they deserved yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. They dress better yeah. than uh, Earl and 
I'm going to get that name wrong like that. Yeah. I'm going to get that Lilu costume as well. Watch out, boys. He's going to wear it on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. You won't have a hat on, you'll have just a big red wig. And I'm going to keep standing up, like, <laughs> stretching. So you can. Yeah. No, he, go, he goes up in falsetto at the end because yeah. cuts into. <laughs> yeah, yeah multi um, So, what are we doing next? Bulls yeah, who's days. the next contender? Jesper, I believe it's uh, uh, Jesper. That on. is me. And uh, yeah, uh, brace yourself because this one's a big one, uh, hero. So, we're going to make. Um, wait, I'm bracing. Uh, you're bracing? Okay. Uh, because we're going to make history here on the Last Action Hero podcast. I'm going to take us from the far future into the near past, back to the early 90s Hong Kong, to meet Inspector Tequila in Director John oh. Woo's seminal action masterpiece, Hard Boiled. Nice. It's going to be our very first non-English language action film on this podcast. Um, so I'm actually super excited by this one, and I'm very eager to see if Inspector Tequila can hold his own against the rest of the heroes in our pantheon. So uh, yeah, join us for that one. Wait, like his name film. is actually Tequila? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it because he likes, he drinks tequila or...? I actually can't remember if that's ever explained in the movie. Uh, it's okay, I'm, one I'm looking forward notes. to this one. Yeah, to see if it there's a good, good reason for him being called Inspector Tequila. I like uh, this film, yeah. and I quite like the video game Stranglehold that came out of it as well. It was yes, fun. exactly, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that as well, because uh, that's quite an exciting project in and of its own, uh, yeah. what happened there. So yeah, hard-boiled for next nice. time. Mm. Looking forward to it. And until Indeed. then... Awkward silence. Mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for spending time with us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Do all that shit that Bjorn told you to do with liking and subscribing. Do it. Do it now. What was I saying? Next week? It's not next week. We have no idea what our release schedule is like, do we? It could be next month, month after. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get around to it at some point. And be sure to check our uh, Big Trouble in Little China episode coming sometime. Oh, yes. Oh, it should be out. It will be out by the time they heard this. (laughs) Hopefully. Dan, we're in the future now. Yeah. We're in the future. Yeah, we're speaking to people. Wow, we're speaking to people in the future. Wow. We are, actually. Mind blown. Fuck. This is is sci-fi, man. Anything could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what we're talking about. We're rambling. Should we fuck off? Yeah. Right. See ya. All right. wash. And remember, chicken, good. Corn Chicken good. Juice. <laughs>